Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. You don't always have to like him. But you have to respect him. The Roy Green Show continues. The Roy Green Show continues on the Chorus Radio Network. is used a, a great deal and at times it's overused but uh, tragically a certainly iconic Canadian and uh, 100% Canadian so much of their music is about Canada and about our Canadian history and you know you think about nautical disaster and the Dieppe raid it was yesterday it was the anniversary of the Dieppe raid August 19. We'll talk a little bit more about that later on. So many Canadians, young Canadians, lost their lives, were killed in that ill-fated attack on the French coastal town. And uh, I got to know a couple of the veterans who actually survived that, that brutal battle. And I was... Um, Honored to be the master of ceremonies for the unveiling of the Dieppe Memorial, which is under the Skyway Bridge between Hamilton and uh, Burlington on uh, on Lake Ontario. It was all laid out so that it approximates on 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 scale what those the ter- the terrain that those soldiers uh, face. So the music of Tragically Hip. Iconic Canadian. And tonight will be the uh, final concert of the tour in Kingston, as you've been hearing, as you know. And later on, we'll, when we talk to Catherine, Michelle, and Linda, we'll, we'll talk about the uh, about the hip and about Gord Downey. He's a lot of courage to do what he's doing. A lot. So, we've had a news story bubbling around all week long. Apart from the uh, limousine ride for a certain federal health minister, and which we talked about earlier on the show, and the prime minister talking about administrative errors when he billed for things he shouldn't have billed. Well, it's just an administrative mistake. Yeah, that's, all, that's all it is. But the story that's uh, been, been been bubbling, the other one, is that the Canadian Association of Chiefs of Police want legislation which would compel anyone, if a judge agrees, to make their Internet passwords available to police. Many lawyers believe this will not become law in this country because of charter rights. And so my thinking here is that if police have reason to believe that there's a terror plot, for example... And many innocent people are being targeted in the terror plot, like we've seen 
in Orlando or Paris or the UK. And, and police have access, if they have access to the to passwords of people who are plotting this, let them have the passwords. If a judge signs on, let the cops have the passwords. So that no one later would say, well, if we'd only had the passwords... And you, you remember the, the controversy over the San Bernardino uh, situation with those two mass murderers. And... Uh, and in, in the, in the call for the access, the FBI wanted access to um, the password for for a um, smartphone that they had. It wasn't even their smartphone. It belonged to the, the town, the city. It was a city issue. I'm not a lawyer. I'm just trying to approach this from what to me is a common sense perspective. David Fraser is a lawyer. He's Canada's foremost Internet privacy lawyer. I have a lot of respect a lot of time for Dave. He's been very kind with giving us his time and his expertise on this program. He's a partner with McInnes Cooper in Halifax, works with Fortune 500 corporations, and operates the Canadian Privacy Law blog. David, it's uh, good to have you uh, with us. Before we get to the legal issues, is there a pragmatic case to be made for the chiefs of police call for civilians' electronic online passwords being made available to the police in the event the concern level about public danger posed by an individual or a group of people is high. If we just can step outside the law for a moment, and 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 and, and I'll ask you this: Is there a pragmatic, um, is there a pragmatic reason to to support that position by the chiefs? Oh, I don't think there's any doubt. Uh, this isn't one of those initiatives that they've just kind of pulled out of thin air. And I'm not going to suggest that the Canadian Association of Chiefs of Police just kind of pull things out of out of thin air. But absolutely, I think that there's a, a reasonable case to be made in certain circumstances where law enforcement or national security authorities should be able to get access to device passwords or to uh, Internet account passwords or, or things like that. Uh, it's all a matter of how can this be done or can it be done, kind of going back to the legal stuff, sorry, that's just a habit of mine, uh, can it legally be done within our existing context within our, our Charter of Rights and Freedoms. So the sorts of scenarios that, that you just outlined, outlined and, uh, and tweeted about previously, if there's kind of an imminent plot and you think that kind of getting access to the contents of a particular phone uh, would be able to thwart that, would be able to save some lives. Absolutely, there's a pragmatic case to be set. And, and in so many cases in our legal system, that you have a balancing. And when somebody's life is on the line, when somebody's innocence also is on the line, uh, other rights tend to give way. And then it's all a matter of the balancing that we have in our, uh, in our legal system. And so, but, but I do have concerns, some real concerns with this sort of initiative, because it really does dramatically depart from our traditions of not requiring somebody to actively participate in their own prosecution and also the sorts of scenarios that this kind of most readily leaps to mind to, kind of the, the ticking time bomb or anything else, or those sorts of things. Uh, I'm not sure that these powers would actually be useful in those circumstances, because what they're proposing is that you'd have to go to a judge to get that. And, uh, and that would take, now you can't do it over the phone, um, but that takes a, a fair amount of time. You have to put forward a, a significant case. And it does sound like a little bit the pragmatism that goes along with, let's say, now this might sound a little extreme, but supporting torture 
to say that, hey, look, lives could be on the line. So your individual physical autonomy and your individual well-being has to give way to that. Um, and so these are the sorts of really important issues that are at play that we need to talk about. And I'm, I'm glad that the chiefs of police have put this on the table for us to talk about. You know, I, I go back to the San Bernardino case and uh, the reluctance and the unwillingness by Apple to provide the FBI assistance in uh, in, in, in a way to break down the securities uh, of the phone and to discover what the password is. And, and one of my biggest concerns at that time was, and I think it, was, it wasn't just mine, it was shared by many people, what if there is a broader plot? What if there are more cells? What if there there's more uh, intent to create the kind of um, mass murder that took place in San Bernardino? And there are people engaged in in putting all this together with the with the with the apprehension or with the killing of the two um, terrorists. That may very well accelerate. Had there been uh, accelerate the plan to to commit more mass murder. So the passwords should have been immediately made available. It shouldn't have been a fight about how to do it. Even if the password was not readily uh, discernible, Apple or any tech company should have, in my view, done whatever they could to provide the FBI with the information that they required just on the chance that they could head off more mayhem, more murder, more catastrophe. Yeah, and, and I, I certainly I appreciate where you're coming from, but I, I would disagree with you on that one for, for a number of reasons. One is that the password wasn't available, that, that Apple would have to put together a team in order to break the security that they've taken the time to, to put together. And that security is what protects the privacy and security of everybody who walks around with an iPhone, which probably includes a large number of FBI officers, which also includes a large number of police officers. and so. In order to accomplish that objective, everybody else who walks around with an iPhone would have been inherently vulnerable. And the FBI said, oh, well, you could keep it secret. You guys are good at that. Well, we've just seen in the last week that Russia managed to hack the NSA and get access to their secret keys. And we also saw in the last two weeks, Microsoft accidentally releasing encryption keys uh, for the encrypted bootloader on, uh, on Windows 10. And so to say that, oh, well, this will never have those sorts of cascading repercussions, the FBI managed to crack into those phones and found nothing of, of interest. And so while certainly it, it relates to this whole kind of going dark phenomenon that the police are talking about, the two are quite different because in the case of, of San Bernardino shooters, they were dead. They were gone. And actually the city of San Bernardino, because that was a city-issued iPhone, they could have put in place measures to allow those phones to be, or that phone to be unlocked. They should have. And a whole lot of companies that manage uh, kind of fleets of devices mm. put, those, uh, put those sorts of measures in place. But I don't think you should be able to order, even with a judge, to issue an order that negates the security of devices across the board. Okay, I went beyond what the Canadian chiefs of police are asking for or suggesting mm. in that scenario that I created uh, or yeah. I ran by. I went beyond what they what they're asking for. We're going to take a break. I want to talk to you some more about this. Uh, think about this, please. Why should a pedophile or a pedophilia ring be able to hide their violent, violent trade behind passwords if police have a um, a good idea of what's going on? And know who's in, involved, uh, and want to, as the condition of their investigation, get at the uh, 
what's being exchanged uh, online and social media, the, the dark net by these by these individuals, why should they not have access to the passwords? Again, it brings us back to saving the innocent um, from violence and the kind of abhorrent behaviors that you can imagine. We'll come back in a minute with David Fraser. Stay with us on The Green Show.